Good morning. I'm Aya Wimala. Today is September the 7th. We're moving into fall, but most days feel very summery. Um, not as hot as it was a few weeks ago, but um, not, not cool autumn weather quite yet. So I hope wherever you are that your skies are clear, you're not having to breathe in smoke, although I know some of you still are. Um, the monastery in California, uh, just outside of Placerville, in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas, uh, Aloka Vihada, they, they, they are not back into the monastery, but it was. The firefighters were able to save most of their buildings. They had a, a beautiful kuti, a meditation cabin, and a yurt that were destroyed. Um, but they already, they come back every day to work on the monastery and uh, wait, the, they, they, the firefighters want people to wait until all the little fires are out and things are definitely safe. But their main building uh, was saved and several of their outbuildings and some of their, the places they have for people who come on retreat there and uh, some of their the deer that they fed and are water, had water for and salt, they've, uh, the firefighters have reported that they have come back. So it's, I'm not going to say it was a miracle, but it was incredible to see how the fire was all around them and uh, they were they they were spared. Some of the pictures on Facebook are really, if you go to their website, Aloka Vihada, they are taking, they, they go back uh, for hours every day uh, from Sacramento to be checking everything out and going through the land and taking pictures and uh, there's a lot of devastation, but their, their main house and the the majority of their buildings are safe, which is really incredible. <laughs> so, but there's still the heavy smoke in the air and little smoldering places at the fire, and the firefighters are they're constantly looking to make sure nothing else starts up. So, there's always some good good news in the middle of bad news, and. Um, that's what we always have to keep looking for, right? Because if we wanted to, we could uh, indulge ourselves in wallowing in bad news. And we have to be careful about that because we need to see the true reality of nature and of the world, but without wallowing in the suffering part of it. That's exactly what the Buddha uh, taught. That's what he was here to teach that there is suffering, but there is a way for us within ourselves to find, uh, to, to get out of that suffering, to be released from the suffering. And so if you find yourself, as is very easy to do, getting caught up in the negative, and uh, we're having, because of the pandemic and not knowing which direction the wind's blowing, literally in many places, or if we're going to be going back into lockdown, or if gradually things will improve, and we see so much divisiveness in our country, 
Uh, it's very easy to get caught up in the negative. It's very easy to have uh, dark thoughts. And this is when our practice is the most important. So these difficult days are our best teachers. And we need to be aware of our mental condition, our mental state all the time. I know it's easy because I felt it too. It's easy to feel that isolation or loneliness. Um, it's, it's the human condition, right? We, we, uh, we're social creatures and we can all go, we can all go so long before it catches up with us. And then we have to work with that. And that's, and we have to work with how we deal with all the news. And it's a, and my advice is to be very mindful of what kind of news you're taking in and how much time you spend going over it and over it and over it and stay away from things that are just, um, that are, that are not important. Stay away from things. Back away. It's some, for, for many of you, it might be kind of an addiction to always be watching the news or uh, watching it come up over and over again on, on television. And we can be aware of what's going on in the world without like immersing ourselves in it over and over and constantly. And I think it's really good to be aware of how much time we spend rather mindlessly letting these images bombard us. And we have to be more dis discerning in what we're watching. And uh, use, use your wisdom, use your, use your good, you know, use your good sense to know when it's too much or when it's pushing you into a, a, a bad place or causing you to feel really down. Uh, we really, really use your practice to uh, to manage all of this. So, I really love the reading we have today because we're on day eight of our pilgrimage from Ken and Visaka Kawasaki's edited pilgrimage. They've edited themselves from the teachings of the Buddha taking us through our 35-day pilgrimage in India. So today, it's one of my favorite, uh, the reflection is one of my favorites, and the, the reading. So you can sit with these two short readings, uh, sit in meditation and listen, but when, when I finish, we can practice with the time we have left sitting and just developing that, allowing ourselves to have that uh, calm mind, tranquil mind. But there's a lot that we can reflect on in these readings. Day eight, the reading is Hungry Ghost. This is from the Kudakapata seven. They stand outside the walls and at the crossroads, having come to their former homes, they stand in the doorways, but when abundant food and drink is prepared, no one remembers them. 
Such is the comma of living beings. If, however, when a timely donation of food and drink is made, those who are compassionate think, may this be for our relatives, may they be happy. The assembled hungry ghosts who have gathered there will receive the food and will thankfully give their blessing. They will say, may our relatives, because of whom we have gained this gift, live long. We have been honored and the donors are not without reward. In their realm there is no farming, no herding of cattle, no commerce, no trading with money. Those hungry ghosts live on what is given here. As rain falling on a hill flows down to the valley, what is given here benefits the dead. As rivers full of water fill the ocean, what is given here benefits the dead. As one gives gifts, he should remember what relatives have done in the past and think, he gave to me, he worked for me, he was my relative, my friend, my companion. No tears, no grief, nor any other lamentations are of any use to the departed, but a gift that has been properly given to the Sangha is of benefit to them immediately and for a long time. This is the proper way to repay obligations to one's relatives. This is how to do great honor to the departed and to give strength to the Sangha. The merit you thus receive is not small. So you often see food food gifts on an altar. Um, or if, if uh, people give dana, give food dana to monastics and do a luncheon maybe in honor of their departed uh, relatives or certain memorials after the, the, their relatives have died, you will always see, um, before the monks are even fed, the um, uh, little bits from all the dishes are, are uh, put on the, on the shrine. The, before the, maybe the photos of the deceased relatives. And so they are honoring, by honoring the Sangha, they're honoring and feeding those departed relatives. That the tears and lamentations aren't really helping, but sending that good, that's forward, forwarding that good merit, those good, good deeds in honor of their relatives can be helpful. So here is the reflection, and this, the futility of worldly gains. This is the time, I think, in our world where a lot of us are thinking about that. There's a lot of, uh, what, what value is it to have lots of money to travel or a house in the mountains when those mountains are on fire and when we're not able to travel? You know, what... What is it that's really important to us? What is it that's really um, that's really meaningful, no matter what the conditions of the world are? The futility of worldly gains, and this is from the Majjhima Nikaya 82. I see men wealthy in the world who yet from ignorance give not their gathered wealth. Greedily they hoard away their riches, longing still for further sensual pleasures. 
Most other people, too, not just a king, encountered death with craving unabated. With plans still incomplete, they leave the corpse. Desires remain unsated in the world. Clad in a shroud, he leaves his wealth behind. Prodded with stakes, he burns upon the pyre. And as he dies, no relatives or friends can offer him shelter and refuge here. While his heirs take over his wealth, this being must pass on according to his actions. And as he dies, nothing can follow him. Not child, nor wife, nor wealth, nor royal estate. Longevity is not acquired with wealth, nor can prosperity banish old age. Short is this life, as all the sages say. Eternity it knows not, only change. And that's very potent. So it's uh, just the idea, just the wording of... um, Most other people, too, not just a king, encounter death with craving unabated. With plans still incomplete, they leave the corpse. Desires remain unsated in the world. Yeah, I don't think most of us really want to to uh, come to the end of our lives with all of our cravings still intact, uh, wanting more, more, more. Uh, we don't, we don't think of that. I think most of us would like to think of a peaceful death where we're, we're not fighting to stay, uh, to stay in a sensual world full of, full of goodies. So uh, that's a powerful reading. So I think we can just think about that. I think our world today is trying to teach us this lesson. You know, it... it I, I don't know, I don't think there's maybe a consciousness doing that, but I do think the world as we are able to see it today can be a lesson for us to think about um, what's important and all of the, all of the things that c- can create suffering for us that we're not even, we're not yet even aware of. And that is our own job to learn how to deal with suffering that enters our lives and understand what suffering really is. It's that stress. It's that dissatisfaction. You know, it's not just a horrible, painful, physical suffering. Uh, Suffering is all of the dissatisfaction we carry around with us or... uh, maybe a, a mental state that's full of regret or full of uh, maybe guilt. And so we, we're never quite happy. So this is a lot to think about. And the world is definitely helping us think about that. So the more we work with the, I think, with our precepts and the more we work with the Eightfold Path, the more peace we can bring into our lives. 
because we begin to see it unfolding differently. We begin to see it unfolding with, uh, with insight, with more insight as we develop and as we grow. And we're being more mindful and paying more attention. And pay, remember, pay attention to the right things. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in a lot of negative talking with others or a lot of, uh, you know, watching, watching things on TV that kind of bring you down or even maybe cutting back. If you're, if you watch TV, cutting back on that because a lot of that is just, it's all there to, to sell things to you. <laughs> so get out in nature more and, um, Find, find, find things that are more uplifting to your spirit. So why don't we sit, we have some time, and practice more. When you go out for a walk, maybe once in a while let that walk or that hawk, that hike be a, be a, your meditation practice. Walk silently and enjoy the, enjoy your walk or your hike, but let it be from more of a, a mindfulness, uh, being more aware of yourself walking and um, be aware of all of the sounds and the sights and the feeling of your body being in that space. And the, your mindfulness is working more on being aware of your body out in that, uh, if you're out in nature especially, or if you're just doing walking meditation up and down your sidewalks or in your backyard, you're just aware of a different, uh, you know, you're focusing on your steps, you're focusing on your body moving, and you're, in, you're taking in through your senses that different quality of then sitting and being probably inside or get out in nature and do your sitting practice. Yes, I like the comments. We're working to find peace and insight. And uh, when, we, when we're around a lot of negative talking, and it can just be because people might be bored because they feel more restricted. So I find that it's easier to gossip and, or maybe complain about things. And so we have to be, we really need to be, um, we need to be more and more aware of that because we have to be very careful for ourselves because um, I know I've made it through the first year of the pandemic, just it was easy, easy peasy. And uh, this this second year has has made me have some periods of a kind of, not so much isolation as being more aware of the solitary nature of life. And, uh, and sometimes it's from even being with the ones we love. And then when the visit's over, you know, I went to see my mom and uh, have been with my family over the last few weeks being home as well. And uh, went to see my mom and my younger brother and, and my sister-in-law. And their coming back and leaving them was was harder than I expected. It was good being back home, but 
but there was more of a, a, a loneliness I was aware of. And it's, that's, for me, it's important for me to just be with that. But it's, uh, it's, it's more difficult. It's, it's, uh, there's a preciousness to being with them or with my children here it, because we aren't spending as much time together. There's a preciousness to being together that I'm more, so I'm more aware of their absence when they're not here. And that's something that I'm, I'm really working with and watching and understanding it. But I know it's, it creates, it often is something that is hard for us. So we need to be aware of it and find really positive ways to live our day-to-day lives and be watching for that. Watching for times when we slip into a kind of negative mind state and see if we can find things that can uplift us. So we, now our time is uh, running out, so let's sit together. And if you can, even when I have to leave, I hope you can continue sitting if you have the time. So be aware of the body breathing. Just feel your body relaxing. And just keep letting go. If there's tension in the body, you can you can have a few deep breaths in and out. Really feel the exhale. Let it be longer. Really feel it allowing you to release tension. And let your body relax and let go as you exhale. A lot of the tension that we feel, I think, is um, dealing with the unknown, dealing with an unsure future. dealing with insecurity about the future. And I think it's important to realize that uncertainty about the future, that insecurity about the future, we're feeling that more now, but the future has always been uncertain and insecure.
And I think the loneliness that we can feel has also been there, has always been there. But maybe in the past we've had more distractions to take our mind off that feeling. Maybe maybe we've been going and doing and being with groups of people and uh, distracting ourselves that way a lot more than we do these days. So those become things that we can really pay more attention to. So as you sit, or if you're on your back, or standing, just allow the calm, stable mind to emerge. Always knowing we can always come back to this silence and this tranquil mind. It doesn't solve any problems, but it creates a foundation and a base for us that allows ourselves to work with whatever arises. We can meet the moment. May all beings everywhere, including each one of you, all of your family members, it includes me and all of my family members, and we can include the entire world, all living beings, human and non-human, May all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering, free from fear and worry and anxiety, free from hunger and thirst, free from the the weather, the climate that we're witnessing changing, 
may we all be able to be to take care of ourselves and our loved ones or may everyone and every being be able to be cared for lovingly and may we all be at peace letting go of craving, letting go of defilements, letting go of worry. Thank you for being part of my practice and I will be with you again on Thursday.